Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Welcome, everybody. Hello. To another mini-sode. This is According to an Idiot. I am Jeremy. And I'm Mo. And we are here to give you a miniature story of exotic intrigue. And usually that means still pretty long. It's We're still going to give you a lot of information. That's what these have turned into now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're just not going to like talk a ton of bullshit before we get into it. So if you enjoy... Just getting straight to it. Uh, this one's for you. If you want to hear us babble, uh, listen to the full episodes. Yeah. And listen to both if you really like us. Anyways, I'm already in babble. You're you're already, you're just naturally a babbler. <laughs> so yeah, we're not going to bog you down with any segments of, you know, little fun facts and cool whatever. This is just a story for you to consume. And on this minisode, we will be discussing the erotic Ooh. abduction of Antonio Villas-Boas. That feels weird to call it erotic when it's an abduction. Oh, j- just wait. Just wait. It's quite erotic. Oh my God. Okay. I'm excited. All right. So let's set the stage. October 5th, 1957. Antonio Villas-Boas, then 23 years old, worked as a farmhand on his family's ranch somewhere outside the town of Francisco de Sales. He and his brother, Joao, had been raised to take up the farming trade, adopting a characteristically predictable and labor-intensive lifestyle. Antonio operated a tractor and looked after livestock. He had not been born into a life rich with excitement or adventure. So on the night of October 5th, 1957, when Antonio spotted an unfamiliar beam of light that cast itself upon the animal corral outside his bedroom, he was astonished. Okay, I was... Gearing up to ask you if this is a true story or not, and I'm glad we got right into the <laughs> the aliens. <laughs> yes. This is a, you know, a true story in the sense of as an alien abduction account, so. Perfect. It varies from person to person if you consider this to be a real story, but mm-hmm. he was astonished. Around 11 p.m. or later, Antonio rose from his bed in the stuffy bedroom he shared with his brother. It was a particularly hot night, and he decided to open a window for some relief. It was after opening his window that he spotted the odd light illuminating what should have been a deep, dark, rural nightscape. The large beam cascaded down from the vast abyss of star-speckled blackness above. And yet, Antonio saw no visible source in the sky that could be projecting the beam of light, which he likened to a large searchlight. Antonio woke up his brother, who staggered over to the window just in time to catch a glimpse of the light before it disappeared. It's just a nightclub, strippers, yeah. Just some classic farm fucking. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Days later, on October 14th, another strange light was seen by the brothers. It was between 9.30 and 10 p.m. when Antonio was plowing a field with his brother. So Antonio was driving the tractor and his brother was walking alongside him. That seems like a weird way to do things, but I'm not a farmer, so. I just bored brothers just talking and slacking off. That's when a searing red light appeared suddenly in the sky above the north end of the field they were in. Also, I thought it was strange, like, why are they farming at night? But I guess due to, like, the intense daytime heat, Mm, yeah, much farm work in Brazil is carried out at night, or at least it was back in the 50s. So that's why they're in the field at night. Sure. I believe you. This red light sparks to life in the sky, and it is so bright and jarring that it stuns the men and hurts their eyes. (laughs) According to Antonio's account, the light appeared in the sky as a red cartwheel and floated approximately 400 feet above the ground. 
What does that mean? What does that mean? A red cartwheel? Cartwheel. I think that's like a like a wheel, like a wheel. I'm, I assume like a, like a wagon wheel. Oh, okay. I see. When I hear cartwheel, I just think of like someone doing cartwheels. Like a small child doing a cartwheel yeah. in a living room. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> it's the shape of a small child showing off to its older siblings. <laughs> Ever curious, Antonio suggested they leave their tractor and approach the light on foot. His brother, sensibly, turned the offer down. Antonio set out alone. As he approached it, the light hovered across the southern edge of the field in a clean sweep, maintaining its altitude. Antonio followed the light, which flew away again in response. The man in the UFO began a playful chase in which the odd light lured, then dodged Antonio, and upwards of 20 times. He eventually grew tired and returned to his brother. Then the two watched as the red cartwheel spat out rays of light in all directions. Oh my god. Culminating in a sudden and underwhelming departure as the light simply faded away. Why are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> the following night, Antonio was back plowing the fields at around 1am, this time alone. The night was cool and clear with countless stars visible above. While taking in the constellations from his tractor, Antonio couldn't help but notice one unusually bright star that outshined the rest. The star's intensity increased and it appeared to be growing in size, which meant it was growing closer and at a rapid rate. It approached faster than Antonio could comprehend, tearing through the sky until coming to a slow stop. Once in place, he could see that the star had taken form as an egg-shaped object, hovering less than 200 feet in the air. It's just the aliens trying to show off. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of like a sports car and they're like revving it real quick exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then stopping. The object gave off a bright red light and moved closer again, floating just 10 or 15 yards from Antonio, who was frozen with panic. The craft descended, landing gently on the ground. Antonio noticed it had an elongated egg-shaped body, decked out in purple-tinted lights. Like I couldn't stop thinking about you. <laughs> Since I saw you yesterday, I hey. had to come by again. Hey, farm boy. <laughs> you don't have to be lonely <laughs> on FarmersOnly.com. The leading end of the craft had a singular massive red light. The full image can be kind of hard to describe. So here's like a an excerpt from Coral Lorenzen's book, Flying Saucers, The Startling Evidence of the Invasion from Outer Space, which offers the full description. That book also was my main source for the story. Quote, three metal bars sharp at the ends protruded from the rear end of the thing. On top of the object was, quote unquote, something <laughs> which rotated at high speed and gave off a sharp fluorescent reddish light which began to turn green the moment the object slowed in preparation for landing. I'm just like imagining an egg with like claws and like a little top on. <laughs> okay. As it slowed... Um, <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure. As it slowed, the top became more visible and appeared as a round plate. Again, you can look up images. Maybe I'll include some on Instagram. Images of sketches of what this looked like. It's very specific looking. So as it lowered, three metal legs emerged from the ship's underbelly and acted as landing gear, propping up the craft as it landed. Now seeing the bizarre craft in full view, Antonio broke into a wild panic. He tried activating the tractor, but the engine wouldn't start. He leapt off the tractor and ran off in the opposite direction. The freshly plowed soil was soft and therefore difficult to run across. A hand came from behind him as he ran and gripped his arm. Antonio turned. It's the egg. It's the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio turned to find a short figure, barely shoulder height. He shoved the short figure off of him and resumed his frantic path toward the distant farmhouse. 
Three more figures appeared from behind and tackled Antonio, pinning him down before each grabbed a part of his body and hoisted him up. <gasps> Kicking and screaming, all of Antonio's strength couldn't free him. He cursed as the strange captors brought him to the craft and dragged him up a ladder that took them aboard. The ship's interior was made of polished steel and lit by fluorescent light that glowed from holes along the joining of the ceiling and walls. The room was tight and disorienting. One of the captors ushered Antonio through a doorway that led into another metallic room that was oval in shape. The room held little furniture, just a metal table and several stools. The captors were now fully visible to Antonio, and in his own words, quote, All five of them wore a very tight-fitting siren suit. A siren suit's like coveralls, pretty much. Mm, okay. Tight-fitting siren suit made of soft, thick, unevenly striped gray material. This garment reached right up to their necks, where it was joined to a kind of helmet made of gray material. I don't know what it was. That looked stiffer and was strengthened back and front by thin metal plates, one of which was three-cornered at nose level. Their helmets hid everything except their eyes, which were protected by two round glasses, like the lenses in ordinary glasses. Through them, the men looked at me, and their eyes seemed to be much smaller than ours. Though I believe that may have been the effect of the lenses. All of them had light-colored eyes that looked blue to me, but this I cannot vouch for. Above their eyes, their helmets looked so tall that they corresponded to double the size a normal head should be. Possibly there was something else hidden under those helmets placed on top of their heads, but nothing could be seen from outside. It's just ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, they're all being controlled by mice. Well, he theorized that these were uniforms because they all matched and they all had this like red badge on the chest. Mm, okay. Antonio was held in the oval room while the masked figures looked him over and spoke to each other in a strange language. Antonio claimed their language sounded like dogs. Oh my God. Resembling the way dogs whine and howl. You know how like a dog can talk sometimes? Yeah. Their voices changing in pitch and intensity as they conversed. Their bizarre conversation appeared to have resulted in some shared agreement as the masked figures immediately turned to Antonio and proceeded to forcibly undress him. <gasps> this is getting sexy. Yeah. I mean, you know, non-consensual. Despite <laughs> putting up a struggle, Antonio was stripped naked and one of his captors then approached with a damp sponge-like object that they rubbed all over his body. Hmm. Okay. I'm imagining it's like iodine or something. That's what my yeah, brain is picturing. I, right. So according to Antonio, the sponge contained a colorless liquid substance that resembled water, but was much thicker. So almost like a, like a thin jelly. Ew. Okay. Yeah. Like it's just KY jelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. So after being coated with the mystery juice, Antonio was led through another door, which swung open similar to like a classic saloon style door, like swinging double doors. Oh, nice. The door was embossed, or looked to be embossed, with a red lettering in a foreign language. The lettering had a faint glow and actually appeared to be, like, levitated off the door a few inches. Oh. You know? Okay, that's kind of cool. Antonio entered a square room, and he noticed that when the door closed behind him, the door's frame vanished seamlessly into the metal wall. So it was like a very sleek kind of ship. Soon, two more mass figures entered the room. Each held a long red rubbery hose with a glass flask shaped like a chalice at one end and a spout at the other end that made a glass cup. So hose to a cup. One end is like a suction cup. Mm, okay. And the other end is like a flask. It just collects mm -hmm. something. One of the figures approached Antonio, squeezing the red tube as if to release air from inside it, and then stuck the cupping glass to Antonio's chin. 
He watched as his blood flowed through the tubing and into the glass chalice at the opposite end of the tool. What in the world? Antonio reported no pain from this, but later, the side of his chin that made contact with the cupping glass would start to burn and itch. After the chalice had been filled with blood, the second mass figure applied their tool to the other side of Antonio's chin and collected an additional chalice of blood. Interesting. After both figures had finished drawing blood samples, they exited the room. In a state of confusion and shock, Antonio lingered in the room until taking advantage of a gray, foam, rubber, bed-like piece of furniture that sat in the corner of the room, and he laid down on it. A stretch of time passed, maybe like 30 minutes, he reported, without any interactions with his captors. Alone in the small square room, Antonio felt himself grow nauseous and caught a foul odor which he likened to painted cloth burning. It's also like, uh, I would be so annoyed if they like stripped me naked and then only needed my chin. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're mainly you're terrified. So you're probably dissociating for the most part. Well, yeah. You're just naked, covered in grease. You've just lost a lot of blood. Right. So he smells this horrible odor and he turns and notices a series of small metal tubes jutting from the wall adjacent with where his head was at the bed. The tubes had been piping in a thick gray vapor into the room, which was the source of that putrid smell that made him nauseous. Antonio, obviously freaked out, ran from the bed and retreated to the opposite corner of the room. He could feel the vapor in his chest and struggled to catch his breath. With his nausea mounting, Antonio vomited into the corner. Doing so cured his stomach and breathing issues. He remained alone in the room for a time until the double doors opened again, this time revealing a feminine figure. <gasps> nah, we're talking. That's right. Through the door walked a voluptuous, nude woman. <gasps> like human? Human woman? Uh, well, well, you know, she appeared to be human. Mm, okay. Short with pale skin, shoulder-length blonde hair, and blue eyes that were a striking blue, although unusually large and slanted. Though on the surface she appeared human, her noteworthy stature, which was like four and a half feet tall, made Antonio consider the likelihood that she had been that initial masked figure who had first grabbed him in the field, the one that came up to his shoulder. Hmm. For she too was short, and had she worn one of the tall uniform helmets, it would have brought her up to Antonio's shoulder. But the woman's attractive figure distracted him from thinking too hard about anything. Right, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah, he's, he's already like, I know I just got abducted, I'm terrified, but my God. Puked in the corner, but hey. Your boy's down bad, I'm ready for this. <laughs> Her small waist, wide hips, <laughs> um, this is all in the book, wide hips and thick thighs drew Antonio's mind away from much critical thinking. God, okay. She, she appeared amused by Antonio's cartoonish amazement, then approached and held him in an embrace affectionately rubbing her face against his face. What is that? Like a, like a dog? That's love, baby. That's all that is. <laughs> Antonio found himself spellbound by the woman's touch, and in an instant, the two were in sexual congress. <gasps> They're like, this is so easy. That's this right. is so easy. <laughs> this guy's like, easy as fuck. <laughs> Without a single exchange of words, the pair, guided merely by intuition and the ancient urge... They were fornicating. That's right, I said it. Fornicating. Like, what do you, what do you do in that situation? Even like, you just start pumping. That's all you do. <laughs> you just let the body listen. The heart wants what it wants. You're right. And the strange Vaseline from aliens does what it does. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you've inhaled a lot of vapor, <laughs> and you're horned up. So, here we go. While tangled in the throes of passion. I hope this doesn't make you too uncomfortable. While tangled (laughs) in the throes of passion, 
The woman, instead of the typical moan or gentle whispered nothing, she starts barking. <laughs> well, <laughs> instead of a typical moan or gently whispered sweet nothing, she made several animal-like grunts and would occasionally howl like a feral canine. Oh my god. That's better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I wasn't sure. I was like, this still checks. This tracks for me. The non-human noises resembled the odd language spoken by the masked figures in the other room. And Antonio started to wonder if this little hot bitch was even human. <gasps> Nevertheless... Human women don't bark. <laughs> Nevertheless, they continued what was an otherwise splendid act of coitus, disturbing animal grunts be damned. <sighs> Quote, and again, all these quotes are pulled from that book I mentioned earlier by Coral Lorenzen. Mm -hmm. Quote, the howling noises she made during the togetherness. This book was like from the 50s or 60s. So like hearing them write about sex in this way was very interesting. Mm -hmm. The howling noises she made during their togetherness had nearly spoiled the whole act, for they reminded him of an animal. And they probably should have. Because they were animal-like. At no time would she allow him to kiss her, and his overtures in this respect were met by a gentle bite on his chin. <laughs> Some of the physical features noted by Viles Boas were the woman's very light skin, freckled arms, and the deep red pubic and underarm hair which contrasted vividly with the almost white hair of her head." Unquote. Hmm. Once Antonio reached climax, the woman withdrew and left the bed that they had consummated upon. As soon as she removed herself from him, the double doors opened swiftly with one of the masked figures in the doorway. The masked figure seemed to beckon to her. Before leaving, the woman turned back to Antonio with a smirk, pointed to her stomach, then pointed upward to the sky. Then she left, disappearing beyond the double doors. After some time, a masked figure returned to the room with Antonio's clothes and let him dress. Next, Antonio was led back into the Oval Room, where three of the odd crew members sat in the stools gathered around that metal table. The masked figure who had guided Antonio back into the room joined his fellow mystery spacemen at the table, and they carried on in conversation, speaking their peculiar language. The masked figures ignored their captive, and Antonio lingered awkwardly, biding his time by studying his surroundings. He noticed another door one across the room that he had not seen or passed through previously. It was left slightly ajar, and he could hear someone on the other side shuffling about. <gasps> Maybe it's the woman that he just... <laughs> had sex with. Uh, boinged. Boingo. Boingo, boingo. The room was otherwise sparse. Antonio carefully approached the table. A square object resting on the tabletop caught his eye. It resembled a clock. It was a square box with a glass lid that protected an unconventional-looking clock face. It had a single clock hand, as well as black tick marks at the 3, 6, and 9 o'clock positions, plus four adjacent marks at the 12 o'clock position. Antonio noticed one of the crew members stopping to glance at the strange clock, like someone might to check the time, but from what Antonio could see, the clock hand never moved in the 15 minutes or so that he was standing there watching. They, like, don't know what to do with him because he finished too fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we right. scheduled so much time for this. Like, oh <laughs> it only God, took that was... five minutes. Yeah, we... What do we even do now? Out of an innocent curiosity, Antonio stepped forward and picked up the box to better examine it. But the nearest crew member popped up from his seat and immediately pried it from his hands, setting it back down on the table. <laughs> Antonio felt that he had frustrated the masked figure and created space by backing up and leaning against a wall. He noted that when he placed a hand against the polished steel wall, his fingers kind of slid off of it, like as if it were glass. Mm -hmm. So like it wasn't really metal, it was some really strange, sleek material. 
Finally, the four masked figures at the table concluded their conversation of beastly chattering, and one stood up, gesturing to Antonio. He led him out of the room, through the entrance they had first carried Antonio cooking and screaming hours ago, and onto a narrow catwalk that encircled the craft's exterior. So he's back out into the night air, circling this catwalk that borders the outside of the craft. Mm-hmm. Antonio followed the figure past square reddish lights that lined the hull of the craft, the same lights that had glowed purple back when the egg-shaped ship first descended in front of Antonio's tractor. The catwalk took them to the front of the craft where they had originally boarded, and the figure stopped and pointed to the ladder that would take Antonio back to ground level. Antonio stepped down, feet planting into the soft, plowed earth. He looked up at the figure who remained on the catwalk. The figure pointed at himself then at the ground, then raised his hand to point up toward the sky. Then the ship seemed to begin like its launch sequence, that plate-shaped mechanism that was described like vaguely at the top of the ship. That began spinning at a great speed and illuminated a brilliant green fluorescent light. Antonio heard a corresponding noise, a loud winding sound that reminded him of a giant vacuum cleaner, and the three metal bars protruding from the rear of the craft started to glow red. The ladder ascended into the body of the ship, and the figure stepped aboard the door blending into the side of the craft's exterior. As the craft slowly rose into the air, its legs, those three metal props, retracted inward and the glowing plate on top spun faster and faster, shifting hue until becoming a vibrant red. The craft continued its ascent, giving off a mechanical hum as it changed its orientation and launched southward into the night sky like a bullet, soaring out of sight within seconds. Antonio returned to his tractor at around 5.30 a.m., so it's, what, like four plus hours he was gone? Yeah, yeah. When it failed to start, he checked the engine to discover that the battery had been manually disconnected, as if deliberately tampered with. <gasps> his brother trying to... That's his brother. <laughs> trying to wingman him. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Antonio staggered back to the Villas Boas homestead, where he slept from 6 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. that afternoon. Wow. He felt weak and had nightmares about his alien encounter for weeks afterwards. It sounds like he just had like a... A wet dream. Right. And he like also owns huskies. So yeah. <laughs> yeah right. He just like internalized. I just heard the dogs. Right. Heard the dogs and made it part of his dream. Because honestly, this plays off as just like a weird fantasy that I feel like most people yeah. <laughs> would enjoy. You know what I mean? Like an exotic, beautiful yeah. creature seducing you. Gives herself to you. I have no choice. I have to. I got to do it. Never to see her again. Ideal, you know? Right. Exactly. So additional side effects included lasting nausea, headaches, and poor appetite. The first few nights after his abduction, he experienced a strange and painful burning behind his eyes that lasted several days. Gross. He suffered from general fatigue for a full month as well. Sounds like migraines. Yeah, it sounds like a gas leak on the property. (laughs) As for physical evidence, all Antonio had to show were sections of raw and lacerated skin on both sides of his chin where the captors had drawn the blood. He did, however, find three deep indentations in the soil where the craft had landed, presumably left by three of those metal mm-hmm. legs that propped the ship up. Antonio recorded some rough measurements based on the distance between the ground indentations, estimating the craft to be roughly 35 feet long and 23 feet wide. Months later, Antonio read an article about UFO sightings in Brazil, which led him getting in touch with the article's journalist and a prominent doctor and avid ufologist. Hmm. 
Dr. Alavo T. Fontes out of uh, Rio de Janeiro. The journalist and Dr. Fontes cross-examined Antonio for over four hours. Fontes also performed a medical exam on Antonio, but was unable to find any apparent cause of his related health issues, primarily the scarring on his chin and other strange bruises that appeared around his body in the weeks following the incident. Years later, the doctor suggested that Antonio may have been experiencing symptoms of mild radiation poisoning. Wow. Because other sores had also begun to pop up on his body uh, in the months that followed. That, I guess, eventually healed, but it took a long time. He would bruise really easily, mm. and he just felt nauseous and tired and kind of, like, had terrible headaches, which are all symptoms of, like, mild radiation exposure. Yeah. But after thorough questioning and examination, Dr. Fontes expressed confidence in Antonio's character and mental health, but admitted the story for him was just too bizarre to believe. One detail that seemingly adds an air of credibility to the story is that Dr. Fontes noted how embarrassed Antonio was when providing specific details of the sexual encounter. Mm. He expressed considerable shame and even refused to allow certain details to be put into writing. Only after the doctor's persistent urging is when Antonio gave up to really intimate descriptions. But he was compelled to talk about it with someone who he could consider a professional. Right. But was always until his death really embarrassed about what had happened or shy about it at least mm. in coral lorenzen's 1966 book that i mentioned before flying saucers the startling evidence of the invasion from outer space lorenzen writes of her personal correspondences with dr fontes whose assessment of antonio villas boas includes small details that kind of humanize him in a way that alien contactees typically aren't humanized okay coral lorenzen writes quote Dr. Fontes, however, seems to assure us that Vilas Boas is stable, not a liar, and certainly not knowledgeable about certain information which he would have to have in order to concoct such a logical tale. Vilas Boas has hypothesized that the liquid which was rubbed on his body was some kind of aphrodisiac to arouse him sexually. Hmm. Dr. Fontes felt he might have been trying to justify his ability to perform sexually under such conditions and thought that the liquid was more probably some kind of antiseptic, unquote. Well, it sounds like, okay, so he's really embarrassed. Cause one, typical sexual assault survivor and shame of that. Right. Or two... He was lying and he has this weird fantasy and he feels so embarrassed about it that he doesn't even want to talk about it anymore. It's like the post-nut clarity, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I know that a lot of times, a lot of alien abduction stories that are sexual in nature are generally speculated to be like a product of like the disassociation that comes from sexual abuse or whatever. Mm. Like, do you remember that episode we did where you talked about, was it Richard Shaver? The guy who had those stones that had images in them. And like he, oh. he told stories of like those Daro, like the demons underground that were like alien civilizations that yeah. were responsible for bad thoughts, like really crazy stuff. But people who read his work and were like, oh, that happened to me. I was kidnapped by these evil aliens right, underground right. and they, you know, assaulted me or whatever. They did these horrible things to me. Most people are saying these are people who are who experienced trauma, physical yeah. trauma, sexual or otherwise, and are then in their head, turning it into something fantastical. Right. Because that's what the brain can do. It makes it easier to, like, deal with. Right, which could totally be what this is for Antonio, you know? It's just his isn't violent in nature, although it right. is non-consensual, obviously. Yeah. Whereas the other stories are traumatic. Like, think of, like, Barney Hill. Right, right. Um, how he had that thing where, like, he wasn't probed. Oh, he, well, he was probed. Yeah, he was probed. And he had that contraption put over his genitals. Like, it was traumatic. He was screaming. He was, afterwards, could barely talk about it. Yeah, very upset. There was a lot more force. Whereas this is, like, a weird sort of, it started off force and then it became, like, naturally 
Yeah, like he consented kind of. Yeah, yeah, very strange. So I think the excerpt that I just read, I think that sort of shows us that Antonio is at the very least a more complex contactee. And like his personal narrative and perspective shows like a more complicated relationship with his story. So he isn't like clearly out to make a quick buck and he isn't overtly mentally unwell. Mm -hmm. Because he went on to have a family. He became a lawyer. Like he was a normal guy. Yeah. So that excerpt also starts to touch on um, more scientific theories regarding the mysterious technology and operations mentioned in the account. And some other theories that were kind of mentioned in Lorenzen's book are the following. Firstly, that the smoke or the vapor that Antonio was exposed to in the, I'll call it the mating room, I don't know what you <laughs> may have been a inhalable antiseptic to kill any remaining foreign germs in his, mm. you know, respiratory system, which could pose a th hypothetical threat to the alien female. Antonio theorized that the vapor may have been a process to change or stabilize the room's atmosphere to make it more inhabitable for the female. He guessed that based on the elaborate suits and helmets that the other mm. crew members were wearing. It also just seems kind of logical. What are the chances that some like alien species is adapted specifically for our climate and atmosphere? For sure. And I definitely buy like, the theory of the um, antiseptic. Obviously, when any um, two civilizations encounter, they often in history, you know, trading diseases that they mm -hmm. either side wasn't used to, their immune systems weren't prepared for. Right. As far as Antonio's story goes, he largely put the abduction experience behind him. And he was married several years later to his wife, Marlene, and eventually left farm work to become a lawyer. After initial contact with Brazilian UFO magazines, Antonio refused interviews for over a decade until agreeing to feature on a Brazilian TV show in 1978 to clarify incorrect details of his accounts that he felt had been exaggerated or otherwise misrepresented, because over time it became a popular sort of urban legend. Mm -hmm. Though he avoided the public eye, Antonio Villas-Boas continued to defend his claims and stand by his word until his death on January 17, 1991. Antonio's case is considered to be the first modern UFO abduction account. Or at least one of them. I think it's no. On most lists, it's listed as the first, uh, like what we now know as modern. So before, mm. in like the 1800s, there was like, oh, a, a spooky man in a flying airship stole me, and that like doesn't quite right. match our modern technology. This is the first like UFO alien using technology that we can recognize. So, and obviously it, it predates the benchmark case of Betty and Barney Hill in 1961. This was a few years earlier. Uh, and similar to Antonio's story, the theme of pregnancy also appears in Betty Hill's abduction account. She was given a strange pregnancy test. Oh, yeah, that's right. Barney's body was also, <laughs> I don't know, fondled by the aliens. Yeah, violated. Still, both cases caused psychological harm for their respective subjects. And as decades passed, more abduction claims surfaced dealing with this sort of alien-human sexual intercourse hybrid all kind of implied the goal of crossbreeding. This became a trope. Mm -hmm. Obviously, over time, more stories come out. It enters the creative zeitgeist. Authors write sci-fi books and they include these themes. Movies include these themes. And all of a sudden, it's considered just largely fiction. And obviously, it is largely fiction, you can assume. But the quote-unquote true stories they originated from lose credibility because it becomes Hollywood bullshit. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, I saw that in the movies. You would assume that Antonio stole that from the movies when in reality the, the movies stole that from Antonio's story. Right. Inadvertently. 
And uh, Skeptics' primary evidence against Antonio's account are sci-fi stories published in a Brazilian pulp magazine that contained erotic themes such as humans and aliens participating in experimental breeding. A magazine had apparently published a short story like that in November of 1957, which would be a month after Antonio's claim. Mm, Okay, they work fast. It's unknown if Antonio could have had access to the specific magazine, but if his dating is correct, then it would have predated the magazine. But people would say he told them it was a month earlier because he knew that he had right. read that story. That You know what I mean? And if he hadn't read it, that's also a super weird coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Additionally, skeptics challenge the popular argument that a modest farmer would likely lack enough general knowledge about technology and aircraft to fabricate the very specific details that Antonio offers. Right. He was too dumb. Right. And so on the contrary, skeptics point out that the Vilas Boas family owned, for example, a modern tractor, which would separate them from peasant class farmers. Mm. So like Antonio really wasn't a simpleton because also, you know, he had like a what would be considered like a middle-class family, I guess, respectively. And also he pursued... Became a lawyer. (laughs) He became a lawyer. So like, obviously this is not a dumb guy who like couldn't make up a story. Right. But yeah, it's still in the hall of fame of alien abduction encounters. And that's why I wanted to share it with you guys. Yeah, that's cool. Imagine like if roles were reversed, right? And humans have this like technology and we can go to like planets of other species that aren't quite as advanced as us and like we just fuck them <laughs> we just show up and we're like yeah well there, there's a theory a fringe theory about aliens called the the ship of fools and so in history what would happen sometimes way back when in different societies and civilizations they would take people that were crazy or you know, diseased or whatever, like outcasts, mm-hmm. they would sometimes put them in a ship, apparently, put them in a in some kind of ship and just send them aimlessly into the sea Okay. to go anywhere but here, you know? Yeah. And so the theory is like, if you assume that intelligent life develops in a similar way, maybe the aliens have a version of that where like their ship of fools are the people that we interact with. So they send out their grunts and their idiots and their outcasts onto random ships and say, get lost, (laughs) can't stay here. Right. And so these stories of like, they probed me, they roughed me up. All the stories are different a little bit and some are super weird. It's like, you're getting these random guys. You're getting these these weird dentists that are going to drill into your teeth or these doctor aliens that are just probing your asshole. Like, I mean, if you think about like early colonization era, that's kind of what it was like, you know, like you just get these random assholes that like have the means to go exploring. Yeah. And they just do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, they pillage and this they... It's like they don't have quite enough to like fully take over. So they're like, I'm just going to fuck some people, maybe beat some up, probe them, see what happens, cover them in KY jelly, have a laugh and... Steal their livestock. Yeah. And then fuck off, burn symbols in their hay, <laughs> their corn. <laughs> That's called tagging. It's like with graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> This is my cow. But yeah, so that's that's the story of Antonio Vilas Boas and his erotic. Now you get what I'm talking about. His erotic encounter, mm-hmm. erotic abduction. Thanks. That was brimming with sexual sexual tension. Yeah, I need to go log off and <laughs> be alone. Let me log out and jo if you don't mind. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Jeremy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
If y'all liked that episode and you want to give us a suggestion for our next mini, email us at according to an email uh, according, according to an, to an email at, at idiot.com. <laughs> according to an idiot at gmail.com. You're also welcome to just tell us whatever you want, you what you liked, what you hated, just to say hi, you're welcome to it. Stay up to date on all of our episodes when they're released by following us on social media. You can find us at According to an Idiot on Instagram and Facebook and at Idiots Accord on Twitter, now X, I don't really know what to call it. Gross. (laughs) You can also follow us on Patreon where you get early access to episodes, exclusive content. You can vote on stuff. There's a whole lot of cool things going on. We just started an exclusive series on creepypastas that you can get exclusively if you're a patron so check that out if you're interested and you're wanting more content in your little ear holes oh yeah rate us yeah and rate us on itunes give us some stars on spotify all that good stuff uh leave some reviews on itunes that helps people find the show fucking tell people it just it lifts us up you raise me up so i can stand on mountains yeah you raise me up so i can what's the next lyric you build me up, you raise me up, baby. You raise me up so I can. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> I will see you in time. I love you. Bye.